I just want a show of hands if there's anybody here who's ever wanted to change anything about their life or about themselves. Yeah, so I guess that's pretty much most of us. I just want you to think for a moment now um, that if you could change three things about your life now, three things that you think would make you happier, uh, would make your life better in some way, I want you to just think about what those things are now. So what three things do you think would make your life better or happier? I'm guessing that um, as we think about that, some, you know, some of us may have thought um, perhaps we would like a little bit more money. Um, perhaps it might have been to do with a relationship. Uh, perhaps it might have been to do with a, a personality trait. Perhaps we want to be a little bit more confident. Perhaps we want to be um, a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe we want to worry less, something like that. We want something to change um, in us. And uh, uh, what I want to just uh, encourage you tonight, and uh, as we um, look through some scriptures, um, you know, there's really um, a few important things that we need to do if we want to change. And often, you know, although we can sometimes experience these instantaneous changes, and it was on the uh, clip early with the genie coming out of the lamp, uh, sometimes we do get changes that happen in an instant. And uh, sometimes we see these changes uh, on TV, these instant makeovers, extreme makeovers, 60-minute makeovers. You know, we like our, in our society for things to happen quick and instantly, but it doesn't always happen like that. Um, you know, sometimes change is a gradual thing, a process um, that we work through. Um, you know, so I guess of the many things that we can imagine um, that might change us and might make us happier, might make us better people, um, above anything, uh, we need the power of Jesus Christ uh, in our lives. Um, who watched the royal wedding the other day? I said at the start of the day that I wasn't going to watch it, and then I watched the whole thing. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, the Bishop of London um, gave an address, uh, preached a sermon at the wedding, and um, I guess with sometimes with some of these things we might perhaps expect um, that you know it might be very reserved, it might not you know sort of really get to the heart of the gospel. But I thought he did a great job and really just brought out some um, some real truth in that message. It was fantastic. And one of the things that he said, um, just talking about um, sometimes how we want to how we want to see change happen in our lives and how perhaps we put too much pressure on human relationships and on other people when we should be looking at God. And he said, as the reality of God has faded from so many lives in the West, there has been a corresponding inflation of expectations that personal relations alone will supply meaning and happiness in life. And then he goes on to say that we all need the love which is secure. We all need that love that's secure, that love that is found in Jesus Christ. We have a need within us that only Jesus Christ can fulfill. And I guess there's two important steps um, in getting towards this. First of all, we need to realize that we have that need. And then we need to, secondly, we need to allow, uh, allow him to work in us and begin to change us. And now there's many, many examples in the Bible that I could have brought to you tonight of uh, where Jesus uh, walked about and changed people, where Jesus um, spoke into people's lives and changed them, where he performed um, some amazing work and changed them. But the person that I want to speak to you about tonight is actually somebody who, um, who spent a long time with Jesus, who spent uh, time with him daily, uh, someone that he changed and impacted um, over the course of his ministry. And that person was Peter, the disciple. Um, and uh, the story is found, if you want to follow it, in uh, Matthew 14. 
And it uh, starts at um, verse 25. Sorry, it starts at verse 22. And the story has the heading, Jesus walks on water. But the person that I really want to focus on in a way tonight is actually Peter and the way that he responds to Jesus and what he asks him to do. Uh, So it says, um, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, said Peter, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, to me, this is a story about change. This isn't just a story about Peter learning a a pretty uh, fancy new party trick. Um, But it's about a crucial change that takes place in his heart and a change that takes place in his mind which he then has to put into action. It's about him overcoming his doubts, and it's about him taking his head out of his own understanding and out of every physical law that he's learned over the years. You know, this was 2,000 years ago, but I guess that even then, he would have realized that if you step and take both feet out of a boat and stand on water, then you're going to get very wet, and you're going to look a bit stupid. And if it was today, you might end up on YouTube or something like that. But this is about Peter going just from being one of Jesus' followers to being somebody who, two chapters later, can declare before the other disciples, even though other people hadn't realized it, he could declare to Jesus that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And from what I've learned um, over my time is that there are immediate changes where God instantly turns things around. And, you know, we want lots of that, don't we? And we pray for that. And uh, we believe for that. But also, there are plenty of changes that happen over a course of time. There are changes where God is saying, um, there's changes where we have to uh, take a step of faith. Where God's saying, it's right there in front of you. Just step out. Just take this little journey. And you know what? It's going to be incredible. And I think there's a few things that this passage teaches us that we need to do if we really want to see change in our lives. Who here would love to see change in our lives? Who would want to be changed? The first thing that we need to do um, from verse 27, we need to take courage. Jesus says to Peter, take courage, it is I. Now the disciples are on the boat and uh, Jesus has been praying 
And then he walks towards them on the water. And as the disciples see Jesus walking towards them, these people who are Jesus' followers and full of faith, their first declaration when they see him is, it's a ghost. That's their immediate response. Now, these disciples, just to put this into context, um, over the course of the last few months or years, they have followed Jesus around and they've seen him, just to pick a few out of Matthew's gospel that this is from. They've seen him preach the Sermon on the Mount. They've seen him um, tell several parables. He's healed a man with leprosy. He's healed the centurion's servant. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's calmed the storm. He's healed a demon-possessed man, a paralytic. He's raised a girl from the dead. Um, He's healed another sick woman, healed a blind man and a deaf mute. He's healed another demon-possessed man, plus various passages where the Bible just says that he healed many and where it says that people brought people with all kinds of sicknesses to him. He healed them. Now, this also, the other thing that we should note about this, uh, where Jesus walks on the water, is it happens on the very same day that the disciples have just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people from five loaves and two fishes. And so, Jesus walks to them on the water, and the disciples' reaction, it's a ghost. Now, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But how much have we seen in our lives? How many times Uh, Has God done great things for you? How many times has God come through and blessed us and helped us in amazing ways? And yet, how many times do we doubt him? How many times do we fear that it won't work out? How many times do we fear for the worst? And get stressed and get worried and get depressed, go into hiding, go crazy, cry, scream, shout. Anyone ever done any of those things? Have we ever uttered phrases like, I'm so worried it won't work out? This is going to be a disaster. See, our occasional lack of faith that we have is mirrored here by Peter. So we can associate with this guy in some ways, I'm sure. The other thing is that this takes place deep in the night. It says in, the, in this version, it says, during the fourth watch of the night. In other versions, it says, about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, now, just a show of hands, who here has their greatest moments of clarity and insight at four o'clock in the morning? Okay. Uh, Now, my daughter, Caitlin, who I think is one of the ones making some noise at the back, I'm not sure. Um, Oh, no, it's not mine. Okay, right. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's all right, then. Um, She has this habit at the moment of sleeping under the covers, which does wonders for her hair first thing in the morning. Um, So she gets up out of bed and her hair is either stuck across her face or it's sticking up out of here. And the reason that she likes to sleep with the covers over her head is because she doesn't like the lines on the ceiling, she says. And what she means by that is that when the cars drive past at night and it goes through the gap in the curtains at the top, it makes little lines on the ceiling that she's not sure what they are and perhaps makes her feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because at times, you know, the darkness, the night, has the ability to distort things and uh, to stop us from seeing things clearly. And lots of people out there in the world at the moment are not seeing things clearly because they're walking in darkness, the Bible says. They're unable to see the light of Jesus. So I just want to encourage us to be people who walk with our eyes open, to see things clearly, to see Jesus for who he really is. You know, the disciples could have seen that ghost as they thought it was and turned that boat around and and sailed away in fear. And just as I was reading this story, it made made me ask myself, how many times... Have I missed an opportunity because when Jesus was standing right there in front of me, I thought it was a ghost? How many times have we missed at what Jesus really wants us to see, what, re- what Jesus really wants us to do? Okay, so first of all, we need to take courage. Secondly, we need to take action. Um, fortunately, Peter sticks around. He doesn't turn that boat around. He sticks around long enough uh, to test the situation a little bit further. 
and he says to Jesus, again, note how sure he is, note his, uh, his real faith here. He says, if it really is you, he can probably still taste, uh, you know, the bread and the fish in his mouth at this point. If it really is you, then tell me to come to you and walk on the water. Jesus replies, come. Now, it doesn't actually tell us what Peter's reaction is at this point, but I imagine that Peter was a bit surprised to hear that. It's actually Peter who asked Jesus to tell him to walk on the water. And when Jesus tells him to do it, you can almost hear in his mind, he'd be thinking, what? You know, he's actually got to do that now. He's actually got to step out and walk on the water. So Peter says, tell me to walk on the water, Jesus. Okay, come on then, Peter. What? See, Peter actually asked Jesus to do that. And how many times have we perhaps done that? You know, Lord, give me this. And Jesus says, okay, that's fine. You just need to. And then our reaction is to be a little bit surprised. You know, maybe we say, Lord, I need a new job. The Lord says, okay, that's fine. You step out, start looking for jobs, apply, go for an interview. Our reaction, what? (laughs) Lord, I wish I could do more in church. Jesus says, okay, that's fine. Why not sign up for this department here? Our reaction, what? Lord, I wish I had more confidence to talk to other people. Jesus' reaction, okay, there's a person. Go and talk to them. You know, we get the idea, don't we? Peter asks Jesus to tell him to walk on the water. And then when Jesus says, okay, come and walk on the water, he's afraid. If we're inviting, if we're asking Jesus to change us, we need to be prepared to take some steps for ourselves. Now, at the moment, and sorry to uh, just keep bringing my children into this, if you forgive that indulgence, but at the moment, we're waiting for our son, Jude, to take his first steps. And I'd love to say that we're waiting patiently, but, uh, you know. Um, now, he's quite happy to sort of climb on things. He'll, he'll climb and stand on the toilet seat, um, actually climb up and stand like this, um, but he won't walk. Um, he's quite happy, you know, um, to climb out of his high chair at mealtimes and crawl across the table but he won't walk. He's quite happy to crawl around the garden and put snails in his mouth and then sit quite happily while Jane Googles whether they're poisonous or not. Um, but he won't, he won't walk. So, you know, I can see how God must get frustrated with us at times. When we go off and we do all sorts of things, we go our own way and we do all sorts of things. But when God asks us to take these small steps, at times we're fearful and afraid and we won't do it. So many times we have no problem in trusting in ourselves and our agenda, but at times we seem unable to trust in him. We need to be willing to step out onto the water. Uh, So in verse 29, Peter actually does it. He steps out of the boat. He walks towards Jesus. And he does it, and it works. It's incredible. And in a way, it'd be nice if the story just ends there and it's all packaged up neatly. And that's the end. But it doesn't, because then it goes on to say, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, this is a warning to us. As soon as we do step out of the boat, as soon as we do say, okay, Lord, I want you to change me. I'm prepared to take these steps. You can pretty much guarantee that a wind will come. That's human life. That's the real world. That's the, you know, the world that we're living in. That there will be challenges that come to us. You know, life isn't easy, and we've heard examples of that tonight. But there's the next thing that we need to do after we take courage and after we take action, we need to take 
captive. There's certain things that we need to take captive, that we need to take hold of and not let them uh, rule us and control us. And I'm sure that many people here would identify with situations and circumstances in their lives where it's felt like we're beginning to sink, uh, where the waves are going over our head. But fortunately for Peter, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. So there's an implication here that he could have carried on, he could have done it himself. Uh, but Jesus was willing to reach out and he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Now what I love about this story is it's so human, it's so kind of real in a way. It's the perfect blend of, at one, in one sense, mind-blowing faith that Peter has to step out. But also this quite pitiful mistrust and... Uh, and insecurity, and uh, you know, I guess I can associate with this guy. But fortunately, the faith wins out in the end. You know, our minds can be great barriers to change. Sometimes if we want to see change, the first thing that we've got to overcome is our mind. Anybody here ever wish that they could switch their brain off at times? Particularly at four o'clock in the morning, I guess. You know, if you're <laughs> lying awake and sometimes things can uh, escalate into all kinds of things in the middle of the night. Sometimes it would be good if we just did have a little off switch. But we need to control our minds. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So we need to take captive those doubts and those fears that come to us that would stop us from allowing God to fully change us. We need to take captive the pride that can come to us that stops us from actually um, fully relying on him. So there's lots of people who proudly would declare, you know, I'm just me, this is just the way I am. Um, you know, I'm just a straight talker, I just say it as it is. That's just the way I am, that's just the way I was made. This is just my way of doing things, it's just me, that's just me, etc., etc. But we're not called to just be us, to be just me. But we're called to reflect the image of Christ, we're called to be uh, royal priests, we're called to be salt and light in the world. Uh, to quote the Bishop of London again, you can see I really enjoyed his message. Um, <laughs> the Bishop of London quoting uh, Catherine of Siena um, he said be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire so not being what we want to be but being who God meant you to be so what do we need to change in our lives what things need to change first of all we need to change our hearts we need to protect our hearts against, uh, you know, the rubbish that's around us at times. There's so much, you know, plastered across our TV screens and magazines and the internet that could pollute our hearts. Uh, there's so much that we need to uh, protect ourselves from. It says in Philippians uh, chapter 4 and verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, uh, pure, lovely, admirable, think on these things. Very quickly then, as well as a changed heart, we need a changed mind. As I've already said, you know, that our minds are, some, are one of the biggest things that we need to overcome if we want to see any change. Any change begins with a decision. You know, there was that decision, I'm going to step out onto this water. There's a decision that comes when we say, I'm going to stop uh, being so angry all the time. Uh, there's, a, there's a decision that comes when we say, um, you know, I want to change the way that I spend my time, the way that I live my life. Any change that we make, there's a decision that happens. So we need change hearts, we need to change mind, and we need change priorities. What do we place as the most important things in our lives? How do we spend our time? Just picture your day at the moment. Look at your uh, typical day. Does it reflect who you would want to be? Does it reflect who you say you are? 
do we put um, as much emphasis? Uh, do, we, do we balance out the, the emphasis that we put on uh, things that are going to help us to grow and to improve and to change to be more like Jesus uh, with some of the other things that we do? What does our day look like? You know, we only have a short time on this earth and we need to make the most of it, to use it, um, use our lives to the full. So we need to get our priorities straightened out. Where is our time going? Uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, I think it was the first year or so that, um, that Jane and I were married. Um, and I got to the point where I felt that I was too busy. Um, that's a bit of a laugh, actually, now looking back, because <laughs> I think I had it very easy back then. Um, that was before children came along and lots of other things. Um, but I felt that I was very busy. And um, I felt that I didn't have time to spend as much time with God as I really wanted to. And uh, so I looked at um, how I spend my day. And I have a bit of a confession to make, and this is a bit embarrassing. But I realized that I used to spend two and a half hours a week um, watching Coronation Street. <laughs> Such was my rock and roll lifestyle at the time. Um, and I... <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to record it if I was out. That's even more sad, isn't it? Um, and Jane didn't even watch it. So if I did watch it, it wasn't even like a nice sort of social thing that we were doing together. So in other words, it was a complete waste of time. And I cut it out of my life. And uh, that freed up two and a half hours um, that I could spend doing other things. I probably need to ask myself the same question again, perhaps. Because um, we constantly need to reassess and look. You know, what are we doing? How are we spending our time? Where could I do that better? If we we want to change, if we want to see things grow and progress and develop, we need to actually take practical steps uh, to make changes in our lives. There's so many things that we can waste away our time on now, isn't there? TV, um, the internet, mobile phones. You know, a few years ago, the only thing you could really do with your phone was, you know, there was a limit to how much time you could sit and play Snake um, on those old Nokia phones. Um, But now we have these things and uh, other things that are similar, and I can waste hours and hours just sitting on this phone. Um, as Jane will tell you. Um, But if we want to see change in our lives, uh, then our priorities need to change. Finally, uh, the last thing that we need to do, we take courage, we take action, we take captive. And uh, fourthly, we need to take the Lord's hand. It didn't happen instantly for Peter here um, that he started to change. It was a gradual thing, it was a process, and he started to trust Jesus Uh, a little bit as he stepped out. Um, He started to believe in his power, but then doubt crept in, and he started to sink again. See, this will happen to us. You know, if we want to start making changes in our lives, if we want Jesus to begin to change us, if we ask the Lord to change us, then the reality is that at some point we're going to mess up. Can anyone identify with that? We're going to make a mistake. Now, the most crucial thing with that is that we don't suddenly then decide, it's not worth it anymore, we'll stop, we'll give up, We can't change, you know, that's it. We need to just go back again to God and say, please help me to change, to become more like you. If we can start every day by asking God to make us more like Jesus, we can't really go wrong, can we? Now, Jesus sees us in all our imperfection and all our failure and all our weaknesses, and he still loves us and he still reaches out his hand to us and says to come. And as flawed as we are and as broken as we are, he wants us. He paid the price for us on the cross. And now he wants us to come to him and take that step of faith and live life uh, to the full in relationship with him. Don't expect to have it all figured out right now. 
You know, this will all be a process uh, that happens over time. See, we begin to change. We become more like Jesus. We'll mess up and it will go wrong. But let's just keep asking God to help us. And as we take Christ's hand, as we let him uh, lead us and guide us and help us, uh, things will begin to change. We will have, there's certain things that we'll begin to see, we will have a changed appearance. Now, I'm not talking about getting a new haircut or, you know, a new outfit or something like that, but our actions will begin to change. People will notice that there's something different about us, just like Jared was talking about, that people could see um, that as Jesus Christ was working in him and dwelling in him, it changed him completely, and people couldn't uh, fail to recognize that. And we will also have a changed world. Now, I'm not saying that one person here can just go out and change the entire world around us, but we can begin to change the little bit of the world that's around us. And if we all do that, then we're going to see change, aren't we? So let's make a determined effort to go out there and to... Uh, not to try and control people, not to try and force them um, to um, force the gospel onto people, but just to simply live out our lives in a way that will make a difference. And a small group of disciples did it, even though, as we've seen in this story, they weren't always the most faithful, they weren't always the most trusting, and they didn't always get it right, but they still went out and they changed the world. And the impact of what they did, um, their ministry, is still in, impacting us and affecting us today. It's the reason that we're here today, um, because of that message of Jesus Christ that they preached and took out into the nations. So let's be people who continually ask, and most importantly, allow the Lord to change us, to make us more like him. And if we allow the Lord to change us, then we will have the ability to be um, people who can change um, situations that are around us.